Every year, tens of thousands of young people enter the U.S. Armed Forces. And part of their support system is the military's Corps of Chaplains. These are people who hold worship services, perform rituals, and do all kinds of general counseling. Maybe you're picturing a Christian minister in uniform, but there are many others, including some Muslim leaders serving in these chaplain roles. But there are not that many. Of the thousands of military chaplains currently serving, less than 20 are Muslim. When I first signed the contract, and I talked to my, of some of my close of female Muslim friends, and the questions I was asked was, why do you want to join force with a system that is hell-bent on destroying your own Muslim sisters and brothers? That was one of the first things I was thrown at in my face. A new documentary distributed through PBS follows three Muslim military chaplains balancing their experiences, their devotion to their faith, and to their country. This is Stateside. I'm April Bear. With us now are the film's director, David Washburn, and Detroit-based filmmaker, producer, Razi Jaffrey, who was also involved in this film. Razi, David, welcome to Stateside. It's great to have you both with us. Hi, April. Good to talk to you. Thanks so much. So the very first shot in this film is new recruits by the dozen getting their heads shaved for basic training just before Chaplain Rafael Lantiqua is about to address them. It is such a great reminder of this mix of young people that we have in the armed forces and how they're all so young, all trying to figure out where they fit in and probably feeling some things. David, how did you decide on that opening? Well, we wanted to show that, you know, among the first things that they do when they enter basic military training is get what is called the chapel orientation. And that is an orientation that, um, you know, chaplains do across the military services to um, initiate young people about their religious freedoms in the military and their rights. And so that scene was kind of a setup to one, you know, show how quickly they learn this how fundamental it is to their experience in basic military training, but also to show that here's this uh, Muslim leader, he's wearing a kufi, you know, a religious headgear for many Muslims, um, standing in front of about 700 young people. And for us, it was like that moment we could tell that these young people probably is the first time many of them had ever really interacted with a Muslim leader in their life. And so we think it's a really interesting way just to kick off the film so people understand what this is all about. Right. Rossi, the chaplains that you interviewed, uh, there's there are three different three different folks' experiences, Rafael Lantiqua, Khalid Shabazz, and Saleha Jabin. David, how did you find them? Was it I mean, this their their numbers are so small. Was it challenging to make a case to them to participate? Well, th this builds upon years of filmmaking experience I have in this space and Rosie. So we come as like two trusted filmmakers and um, it, it really all happened through this network of Muslim chaplains. We contacted one who contacts another, who vouches for us. And so really, like you said, there are less than 20 serving. And of those 20, you know, how many have really compelling kind of film voices and all three of them really have this like really, really compelling uh, stories and voices. So we wanted to also, you know, integrate religious diversity, geographic diversity. So it was just a matter of, of finding one, then finding the other. And, and fortunately, you know, we just found some really compelling characters. 
Yeah. Rossi, as we were saying, the three of these chaplains, they are they are sort of indicative of a real breadth of experience within Islam. Do you want to say a little bit about different experiences that they represent? Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that might surprise some viewers is to see this range of diversity. Um, Islam is um, the most diverse uh, religion in America, and I think that's reflected in the experiences and the in the representation that we see on screen with um, Saleha being an immigrant from India. Um, I myself can relate to that as um, an, an immigrant from India. Um, Khalid being African-American and Rafael being Afro-Latino, um, which represents perhaps the fastest growing Muslim community in America is the Latino Muslim community. And so I think it cuts across some stereotypes as well that Muslims are predominantly Middle Eastern or South Asian. And so I think it's really important for audiences to see this diversity. And I think, you know, in the characters of Rafael Saleha and Khalid, they reflect a authentic uh, diversity that exists in the American Muslim experience. Rossi, what drew you to work on this project? Well, I, I met David in the fall of 2018. So it's been five years now, us working together on this project. Uh, we had both been granted funding from the Islamic Scholarship Fund. So we met at an event. And we kind of hit it off and we started talking about our respective projects. And uh, a couple months later, we decided to talk about working on three chaplains together. For me, my previous film, Hamtramck USA, looked at life and democracy in America's first Muslim majority city, which was really looking at the Muslim experience engaging with the civic and democratic process. And so my interests really were in Muslims getting involved in these really important American institutions, whether they're the civic process, the electoral process, and perhaps through three chaplains looking at their engagement and involvement in perhaps our most sacred institution, which is um, the military, which comes with all of its complexities and controversies, moral conundrums, uh, you know, as well for the Muslims who choose to serve. David, what about you? Was there a seed that that gave life to this whole thing for you? It's a difficult question to answer. I mean, we could we could spend probably 15 minutes on it. I, I did a previous short film project with Muslim American veterans prior to this. And um, I was really interested in like, what are the complexities of serving in the U.S. military in a post 9-11 era when so many Americans see Muslims as you know the proverbial enemy or outsiders, and here they are, you flip the script, and they're wearing uniforms and they're inside the US military. What are their experiences? And the more I dug into that, I was introduced to all host of different characters, people serving in different places and different roles. But chaplains, I learn, occupy this really interesting space where all these storylines converge, be it um, religious freedom, be it Islamophobia, be it diversity in the U.S. military. And so, at, you know, at the core of this film, for me, uh, not being Muslim, but, you know, have, being from a Jewish background, you know, this the sense of like, how do we practice, how do we live out this idea of religious freedom and and pluralism? For me, it was really fascinating the role chaplains play in articulating those religious freedoms in the, in the military. It's this space where, you know, many viewers might not come to a conversation around pluralism or, or interfaith kind of kumbaya language. Many of the viewers won't come to that naturally, but if they're seeing it within a military lens, they think, huh, okay, this is something I know. And now we're able to kind of open up all these conversations with them. 
We need to take a break. Back in just a minute. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Support for the stateside podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. David, a great deal of this documentary was shot in Texas at a military facility, at an installation. Were there challenges specific to this process? You had some experience shooting within the military ecosystem. Well, I, I'd shot with these short films with with Muslim veterans, including one time shooting with a woman who helped design the interfaith chapel at the Pentagon. On the where where the plane hit the Pentagon, there is now an interfaith chapel. So I did a short film with a a Muslim engineer who who survived the attack and then went back to help design this space. And that kind of introduced me to some of the request process. You know, it's rare for an independent film team to go deep inside the US military over so many years to tell this story. The process of getting that, that access took quite some time because we weren't interested in telling a film about combat or about war or about the things that people typically associate with films about the US military that did not interest us. These characters are all non-combatants. Chaplains do not carry arms. They are there in the US military to provide religious leadership, and to provide pastoral care to service members. For us, we wanted to make something about actually some of the healing that happens inside this institution to kind of reframe people's imaginations and and also kind of communicate a message that we want to see in the world, one of interconnectedness, one of of pluralism, and one of uh, of understanding. More than one of the three chaplains talk about the work that they have done, both in terms of the things they're expected to do, counsel people and see to their spiritual lives, but also the work that they're doing with non-Muslims. One of the one of the three, Khalid Shabazz, after the Fort Hood shooting, Shabazz was someone who had known the shooter and was brought in for questioning for six hours after the events. Rossi, can you speak to the experiences that these three chaplains talked about and how they may dovetail with, you know, other narratives that you've worked on in in films about the things that Muslim people and sometimes Arab people are are expected to or obliged to take on in the broader culture? Yeah, I think between Khalid, Rafael, and Saleha, there's some really unique challenges that they're facing um, within the military, both from within the military in terms of their loyalty to the constitution and then from outside the military as well, as you can see in scenes of Islamophobia and them, you know, being uh, associated with extremist organizations and things like that. But there's also another challenge, which is within the Muslim community as as well. All three of the characters are also um, intertwined to uh, the broad uh, and mainstream Muslim organizations 
in the United States. And I think one of the most important scenes in the film is where Sharida Hussein, uh, retired lieutenant colonel, is counseling and mentoring uh, Saleha. She articulates, you know, her views on whether she would join the military again uh, based on that experience and based on that wisdom. And she says to Saleha that she wouldn't do it again. There's a lot of people in the Muslim community who disagree with Muslims being involved in, in the military. And I think right now with what we're seeing, you know, with the actions and the bombardment in Gaza, that kind of apprehension, to put it uh, mildly, is, is only going to increase. I think it's one of the things that has raised the stakes uh, for Muslims in the military with whatever role they might be serving in. But it's one of the things that also makes these characters even more complex. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, what some of the additional challenges that they'll, that they'll be facing. Yeah. Do, do either of you know how many women who are Muslim are serving in the U.S. Armed Forces right now? We don't know. You know, the, the when you when you join, you're not required to fill out that data. Some people do fill it out. There's approximately 5,000 Muslims serving across the, the different branches of the military. Um, however, you know, there's likely thousands more who are, you know, quote, you know, hidden Muslims who just do not reveal their faith out of apprehension that they, one, they don't want to get involved in, in conversations where they're, they're asked to kind of explain things and, and, and represent their faith in ways they don't feel comfortable doing out of uh, a fear potentially of discrimination. So there are some who, who might see this who have served and, and did not reveal their faith in the U.S. military. And they say that that's not my experience. My experience is one of kind of, you know, laying low and that's perfectly fine. But What's interesting for us is that these characters, you know, they walk around base with a crescent moon on their uniform. And so they are really unmistakable for many uh, as seen as the public face of Islam in the U.S. military. These people are required on a day to day basis to engage in interreligious dialogue. And I think, you know, we didn't anticipate that this film was going to hit at this moment. But, you know, it's, it's clearly something that that we need more of. The the production and the post-production on this film obviously predate the tensions over Gaza and Israel that, that you just talked about, Razi. But I do wonder, as folks are taking in the film in this moment, are there things that, that you hope might stick as people of all faiths and backgrounds see the film and think a little bit more about what it means to serve a country and how some of us are expected to figure out this balance of identity and citizenship in ways that others of us never have to deal with. David, do you want to go first and then Razi? Sure. Yeah, we were filming during the previous president's Muslim travel ban, and we were editing during this current president's pullout from Afghanistan, and now we're promoting the film during this conflict in Gaza and Israel. And you know, each one of those reframes uh, how, how viewers might think of the film, how we as filmmakers see the film. So it's very hard to predict. predict. Um, I think one thing for me as the director of the film remained consistent through all of those is that we need to see accurate and humanizing portrayals of Muslims, particularly Muslims in leadership, to counterbalance everything else we're seeing. So forget about whether they're, they're serving in the military or in Razi's film, they're in they're in government, or they could be in a corporation, or they could be in sports. I think all of those things fulfill a certain imperative that I think a lot of filmmakers like Razi and I agree on, is that as independent voices, we can bring new and diverse portrayals of Muslims to the screen. And so that's one thing that I'm inspired by. 
Rossi, what would you say? It's it's a lot right now, but I guess it's always been a lot. Yeah, it, it's such a great question, and there's so many ways to approach it. I think one of my biggest concerns right now is the rise of um, anti-Semitism and Islamophobia that we're seeing globally. And I think, you know, it, it is directly correlated to the, the conflict in Gaza and Israel. You know, sadly, we see with the stabbing death of Wadia Al-Fayyum in suburban Chicago, a six-year-old boy who was stabbed to death in a, in a hate crime. And so it just reflects, I think, how little Americans know about Islam and Muslims today. And so it behooves us to you know, create more work around this. And I think the same thing with anti-Semitism. The bottom line is for David and I as filmmakers and, and our work as activists, this is the main thing that we're trying to pursue is peace. Often tragedies tear communities apart, but they also have strange and beautiful ways of bringing communities together. And as you'll see in the film, there's the heartbreaking moment where Raphael is taking in the mass shooting in New Zealand in Christchurch, which killed over 50 Muslims. But when he's at the Islamic Center of Denver, um, it's a beautiful interfaith vigil and ceremony where you have pastors and rabbis and imams and people of all faiths speaking and coming together. And so I hope that the film can be a little bit of a launching pad into that kind of work. David and I are planning for the next couple of years to take the film into universities, libraries, community centers, nonprofits, and screen the film. But we also want to take it to interfaith spaces and interfaith events we hope that we get people from many different backgrounds that will join us in having perhaps some really difficult conversations, but conversations that will continue to build bridges and build peace. Producer Razi Joffrey and director David Washburn. Their film is called Three Chaplains, and it's available on the PBS platform nearest you. Razi, David, thank you so much. And the film's really lovely. We appreciate your work on it. Thank you for having us, April. Thank you, too. And that's the Stateside Podcast for today. I'm April Baer. You can find full Stateside episodes from more Michigan stories at michiganradio.org. Today's pod was produced by Rachel Ishikawa. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Ronia Kavansag, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our interns are Lauren Neong and Olivia Moradian. Our executive producer is Laura Weber-Davis. Music for the pod comes from Blue Dot Sessions and from Audio Network. Thanks for listening. We'll catch up with you again at this time tomorrow. Till then, we'll see you later. I'm Rebecca Williams. I'm Lester Graham. We've been working on a big project about Great Lakes birds called the Bird Connection. It will look at ducks and trumpeter swans. Egrets and herons. And piping plovers. Yes! We'll discuss what we've discovered at a Michigan Public Issues and Ale event. Including how some problems for birds are problems for people. It's at Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti the evening of May 21st at 7. You can register at michiganpublic.org.